What's up, guys? Hey. Welcome to the, the Shredder. Shredder. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing that. Um, that was a new intro. I like it. I think it sounds pretty shreddy. Hell yeah, we've definitely it leveled definitely up. Definitely shreds. <laughs> but uh, I'm Tonks. Emily, you know. And uh, we are here because we have a special episode to talk about Dr. Manhattan. Yes. And he is the man of the hour. They call me Dr. Manhattan. They are shaping me into something gaudy, something lethal. Yeah, he's a... So cool. <laughs> dude, he's like, he blows my mind. Like, just how powerful he is compared to, like, everybody else, it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Like, we were just watching, a, like, a YouTube video telling us that basically he is the most powerful of all time ever. Yeah, he, <laughs> he exists outside of time. He controls the force that holds us together, pretty much. So, yeah. it's like, he doesn't matter how strong you are, he can literally, like, Tear you shape apart. it. Yeah. Put, so. you back, put you back together in weird ways. It's pretty cool. So let's uh, do a little backstory on the good doctor. Are you down for that? I am. I'm totally. I hope you guys listening in uh, audio land <laughs> are too. So. And during this hurricane. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> all right. So Jonathan Osterman, mm-hmm. better known as Dr. Manhattan, was created by the otherworldly Alan Moore, who did The Killing Joke, one of my favorites of all time, mm-hmm. um, and Dave Gibbons, uh, who did The Green Lantern Course, which I actually haven't read anything Green Lantern I have wise. a couple Green Lantern comics. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Alan Moore also did V for Vendetta. I mean, yeah. a lot of people like really love that. Also, he has a sick beard. I mean, he <laughs> looks terrifying right yes. now. But he is one of the coolest people ever. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Alan Moore studied nuclear and quantum physics Thank for you. this character. Thank you for not saying nuclear. <laughs> nuclear. It's nuclear, please. Nuclear. Uh, okay. He wanted to create a, create a personality that was in a completely different universe while simultaneously in ours. Someone desperately trying to hold on to the essence of human life. Okay. Uh, Moore was fascinated by the idea of creating a character who gradually lost all understanding of human emotion, which we can tell. It's kind of hard to create that kind of emotionless person in writing because yeah. everyone has emotions and has you need to have a story and to... to, to to be able to write someone with no emotions is, sounds pretty tough. I think I remember reading in my research that he drew some ideas from Spock, actually, from Star Trek. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, he was like, he wanted somebody that was like, not emotionless, Emotion- yeah, yeah. but who didn't hold on to those, I don't yeah. know, those feelings that mm-hmm. people get, you know? Super deadpan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Apparently, Dr. Manhattan was closely modeled after Captain Adam, right? Which I don't know anything about Captain Adam. I don't either, honestly. But he's, a, I guess, um, a character from DC. I mean, it sounds like something that... You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Moore didn't want to write a character still in fear of nuclear threat. He wanted it to be, I am the nuclear yeah, yeah. threat. <laughs> I am the threat. He is the one who knocks. <laughs> I am the danger. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the only thing that was concerning for Moore about Manhattan and his character was the fact that he was, you know, drawn in the nude, right? Um, People were upset about that? He would, They were nervous that DC was going to pull it. They didn't, I mean, you know, because he's got a big old schlong hanging out, you know? But, yeah. but Gibbons took this and was like, listen, like, I can make it tasteful, right? I'm going to give him some, you know... So I'm going to give him a humble piece. I'm going to make him blue, <laughs> and no one's going to care. 
It's like a Smurf. <laughs> a nice humble penis, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to piece of humble penis. <laughs> <laughs> he said he wanted to give it tastefulness, right? So that like, he picked and chose carefully when he was going to be shown in the nude, and uh, what character design. Like, mm-hmm. clothing-wise, they were going to choose. Just like a fucking loincloth. Yeah. A black loincloth. Fucking unitard. Yeah. All right, so Dr. Um, Manhattan, originally, as Do- John Osterman, um, was born in 1929 to a German watchmaker and a Jewish mother, which sounds really uh, not a good way to say that. But, I mean, <laughs> she they there really wasn't a lot of information on his mother, because a lot of the information that I picked from this background mm-hmm. was uh, from the Before Watchmen comic. I see. Um, which wasn't really, well... Received? Received from, really? from Alan. Alan didn't want anything to do with it. He hated it. He didn't want it to even be done. And it was actually a collection of... Artist I, he's really like, he loves his work and he doesn't like anybody else messing yeah, with it. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, you know, I mean, it's like, funnily fiction. enough, though, <laughs> that's what he's going to consider the HBO one coming out, which we will get to. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk mm-hmm. about that. Uh, so he was born in 1929, so he was very young when, you know, the Nazis started to occupy Germany and they had to escape. Um, and they went to the U.S.? Yes, they went to the United States. John was supposed to follow in his father's footsteps to be a watchmaker, but as soon as Japan, uh, as the United States dropped the bomb on Japan, he was like, well, that's not a good idea. We're going to need to go into something that's going to further you and your education that is going to, you know, you're going to have a long-lasting life of whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And he, said, he pushed him into nu- nuclear physics, and um, he ended up going to school at Princeton for 10 years, studying, nice. studied under Albert Einstein, of course graduated with a PhD in atomic physics. And, I mean, uh, honestly, who else would figure this out? Right? I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and, and then in 1959, he started his career. And that's where kind of where everything starts to go wrong, I feel. Okay. They're actually saying that when his father decided to throw away the watchmaking process that he was putting his son into, mm-hmm. he... This is kind of like a foreshadowing of his career, right? Okay. Of, like, what happens to him. Um, because he just threw away everything. That's basically what happens when he gets annihilated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, everything is literally gone. <laughs> in August 1929, while working at the Gila Flats, a test base in Arizona in the middle of the fucking desert... His work was mostly concerning the intrinsic fields. You mean 59? 1959. he was born in 29. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, guys. No worries. Uh, where physical objects are placed inside the zone are ripped apart and, disint- and disintegrated, right? Am I saying yeah, that yeah. right? Uh, that's basically that giant fucking hole where he goes into and gets torn apart. That's horrible. Yeah, the intris- intrinsic field laboratory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to say. Like, it's like up there with cinnamon. Yeah, cinnamon. Um... Gila Flats is actually where he met his best friend, right? Wally Weaver and his eventual love interest, Janie Slater. Janie's crying. <laughs> Janie's crying. Um, I, I, I should have gotten a fucking yeah, sample. That would have been, been a cool sample. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they all become friends. They obviously work together for a long time, and they end up going on a trip to New Jersey. Um, Joyzy. Joyzy. <laughs> and... Janie kind of tags along simply because, like, her mom lives up there, so she's going to go see her mom. But while they're waiting to, like, get in touch with her, they decide to go to this, like, amusement park where they all get together and they're going on all these rides. And John and Janie are walking around and a photographer comes up on them and, like, takes a picture of them. And, like, this, this picture kind of follows John throughout 
the entire comic book world that we know. Um, it's a very important to him. It it, it kind of like grounds him. I feel it just kind of reminds him of like what his humanity was and maybe who he was. It's like his totem, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. While they are at this amusement park, <laughs> Janie is wearing a watch, and the watch band breaks, and when it falls to the floor. It literally says this in the comic that a big fat guy walks over, steps on it, and breaks it. And there's also foreshadowing here that, you know, Fat Man was the name of the bomb that was dropped on Nagasaki. Ooh. So there's foreshadowing again for his (laughs) tragic (laughs) life. Mm -hmm. Um, This, and the movie, it was different, right? Like, in the movie, we saw that this watch was actually his father's and he just was very close to it and didn't want to leave it anywhere it wasn't right. Janie's mm-hmm. but in the comic book it was and he and like he told her he was going to fix the watch that night and they ended up doing the sexy the sexy time I'll fix this watch <laughs> if you fix my <laughs> penis <laughs> god like, that very, was bad <laughs> that was real bad. very blunt <laughs> <laughs> so you know obviously they kind of started a relationship right and uh, he says he's going to fix the watch. Around John's 30th birthday, um, on, on August 20th, John has... Oh, we just passed it. Right? Look at him. He's like 80, 70-something. <laughs> John has officially repaired Janie's watch, and he plans to kind of bring it to her and surprise her with it, but he leaves it in his coat jacket, which they had just left uh, the, the intrinsic field, Right. So he realizes, oh, shit, I got to go get this lab coat. I got to be incognito. BRB, guys, let me go get my lab coat. (laughs) Goes back. As he's picking up the lab coat, the door shuts behind him. Uh, And then locks. No. (laughs) And the countdown begins. What a dummy. His colleagues realize, oh, shit, John's fucking locked in this giant thing and he's going to die. And they immediately run to him. They're like, dude, we can't open the door. There's nothing we can do at this point. We can't do anything. No, it was, yeah, it was like time locked. Yeah. And Janie freaks out, runs from the room. She can't bear to see what's going to happen to him. And uh, basically he gets torn apart and uh, disappears. They called my arrival the dawn of the superhero. I am not sure if I know what that means. He's a deep guy. <laughs> he's, and I'd be deep, too, if I was ripped apart and came back. As a blue guy. <laughs> as, a, yeah, as God. <laughs> God. As, as God. Let's be yeah. real. Um, so after this, he is declared dead, right? They bury a coffin, an empty coffin. Because literally there is nothing left. There, nothing. He's, just an empty room. Nothing. Cause, he cause turns effect- to nothing. Effectively, you're ripped apart down to the very essence when there's nothing left. Basically, nothing. the the things that hold your atoms together is what that thing is made to rip apart. Yeah. And, and it, that's exactly what happened. It ripped them apart to literally absolutely nothing. I mean, there's a there's a really cool YouTube video by, uh, what was his name? Imaginary Axis on YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he explained it so In well. In scientific detail, it, which is pretty cool. It was brilliant. It was yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to the guy. <laughs> Um, so the first quote unquote haunting happens on November 10th, 1959. So about like a couple months after his demise, right? Yeah. A partial disembodied nervous system appears in the hallway, then a circulatory system, and then a muscled skeleton. And so basically he's trying to teach himself how to come back together. How to put himself back together. Mm-hmm. And the, and like realistically, any other person in the world 
would never be able to do this, right? Because it's impossible. It's honestly impossible. It's not real. But Mm -hmm. because he started off learning watchmaking um, from his father... He is learning how things work are put together and there's a lot of structure in his life. And he's just kind of, it's like, he's a routine guy. He does this, 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 and this order. And he puts everything together in this order. So I think ultimately that's what helped him do this, helped put himself back together, helped figure out how to do it. And even such a, like a limited amount of time, because that's crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's what got him where he was and how he was able to just put himself back yeah, it took him months <laughs> to do this. Blue man, and honestly, like, what's the moral of the story? Stay in school. <laughs> <laughs> you might become a you a might blue god. <laughs> you might need to bring yourself back together from nothing. Um. So each glimpse only lasts like a couple seconds, right? Like everyone's just kind of like, "Yo, what? That's is there ghosts?" Yeah, ghosts? people thought there were ghosts like hiding in the lab. <laughs> um. Until finally, he appears tall, naked, and blue in the middle of in the movie in the middle of. <laughs> Of the cafeteria, uh, cafeteria room. Yeah, yeah. Straight naked. Straight naked and blue. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of people asking me, okay, so why did he, why was he blue? Why did he come back as blue? Mm-hmm. And there... He and, wanted to join the blue man group. Before. I mean, who I doesn't? Mean, <laughs> <laughs> I am oh, blue. Well, he should have could... that one. I'm blue. I'm buddy. <laughs> My guy, I feel so. <laughs> I it's because uh, Dr. Manhattan sees the entire universe, like, as a picture. Like as a static picture, like like any second in the universe is like normal time for him. Like he sees the past, present, and future at the same time. Yeah, he's um, time doesn't exist for him. Honestly. Clair clairvoyant is that what the word is? Yeah, and yeah, that's why he wanted to join Blue Man Group. He knew, <laughs> he knew they were gonna exist like twenty years from now. Or he 30 knows years how now. popular they were gonna be. And you're like shit. I'll join that over there working out at uh, United. <laughs> was it um, Universal Studios? Yeah, yeah. He was on Arrested <laughs> Development. Um. <laughs> So in the before Watchmen comic book, it kind of goes into detail here about why exactly he decided to reconstruct himself as blue. That yeah. when he was a young boy, he bought a box of Cracker Jack, the, the caramel popcorn. That's fucking delicious. You get that baseball. <laughs> B-ball. <laughs> and unfortunately, there's no fucking cool ass little gifts in there anymore. Maybe some kid choked on a yeah. fucking whatever. What's the point now? Except for getting <laughs> fat. Anyways. But now, back in the Disney, they got little uh, little toys. And one of the toys that he had grabbed out of this box was a blue figurine. So I think when he was torn apart and was reconstructing himself, he just went back to the basics. Like, what did he remember from his childhood that was cool to him, right? Like, something that you think about when you're growing up. Like, wow, like, this really shaped me. Yeah. You know? And, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I guess a big little figuring did that for him yeah it, it stuck um after his reveal as you know that this big blue man god um the united states kind of decided they were going to use him as a pawn right and all of their worldly bullshit that they do this is during the cold cold war by the way so this is like yes all espionage type shit they're like oh check out our power that you don't have like Russia. we know that there's some fucking commies out here damn reds <laughs> and they're out here freaking out yeah yeah um, That's why he was blue, because he was against the Right, rest. of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when made to choose a costume, because obviously you can't walk around with just his penis out. I mean, he can. <laughs> Who's going to stop him? He eventually does. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, he chooses a hydrogen atom as his symbol, and he actually, like, burns it into his own, like, forehead. Uh, I think what was quoted as um, his reasoning was, if I am to have a symbol, it is going to be one that I respect. And obviously, you know, that was one of the reasons why he got torn apart into pieces. Yeah. So, I mean, that obviously has a lot of 
feeling for him. It means a lot. Um, I think that this is probably the official beginning of the, his declining humanity, mm-hmm. where he has to choose like what side he's going to be on, like what is going to be. He doesn't want to dabble in like bullshit politics. Like, like human it's above bullshit. Him. Like, yeah, yeah. Like he's just he is used in the Vietnam War. They uh, they are fucking terrified of him. He is officially this humongous monster just like waving his hand and like exploding people um yeah you can tell just how different the comic book is versus the um, the movie in certain aspects that in the comic books his actual uniform is it looks like a it looks like a like a unitard <laughs> like what that ballerinas wear it's yeah. it covers his chest and it goes up and it's kind of like cradles his like thighs a little bit and they couldn't have him walking around nude. Yeah, but I mean, in the movie, they gave him like a thong. <laughs> yeah, it's like a thong, and, yeah. it, and it's, it's. I think I think it was a unitard at first when they first started Watchmen, and then he kind of like graduated. To yeah. That. yeah, which which I mean, and it's something that I think also is important, foreshadowing. Important to note that he was the only person with real superpowers in the minute in in Watchmen. And Minutemen. Oh, he, no, okay. So, like, he, oh, yeah, he Minute wasn't Man, yeah. in Minutemen. The Minutemen were before Manhattan. He, they So, the movie calls the the group of badass bitch and vigilantes that Dr. Manhattan was in. It was originally called the Crime Busters, mm-hmm. but slash Watchmen. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not... It was, fucking... like, the first versions of the Watchmen. Yes. Yeah. And, um, so... When, the thing is, like Watchmen grew, grew old, or Minutemen, or was it Crime Busters grew old, and then there was like a second iteration. But the thing is, with Doctor Manhattan, that doesn't matter. He doesn't get old. Yeah, he, he just stays he, the same. He just stays the same. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're looking at the comic books, really quick, when we're seeing him in his unitard costume, and then we're seeing him in only in only the underwear, and then in just the nude. This is a foreshadowing of just him losing his humanity again, right? Like, he's just forgetting that, oh, well, these things matter. They really don't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't need these. Um, during the Cold War, Dr. Manhattan's presence kind of seals the West victory, right? Like, they see him and they're like, oh, shit, this is the end, the end of days. Yeah, there's how you to stop <laughs> this guy. Um, the- after three months of him, after, after, of Nixon ask, asking Dr. Manhattan to interfere um, the Vietnam relations they obviously are just like yup we uh surrendered we don't want anything to do with this um and during the vietnam problem (laughs) uh this is where he meets and starts working alongside the comedian which oh man even more so helps in his declining humanity and his care and just understanding of why he's even here right like the comedian is the worst of the worst this is like probably the crowning He's not a hero in my book. He's not. No. He's the he's awful. He's a terrible person. Ma- masquerading as a hero. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think that's really where he notices that there this is all for nothing. He's yeah. not really helping anybody. He's making things worse. Mhm. Um and I think like because of this his presence in this time, right? Like this is around, like I think in the 80s. Yeah. Because of this like technology in the comic book is so vast and so far so much su- advanced advanced and mm-hmm. superior than it is now because just because of his presence right like he's able to do things and like t- pull apart fucking machines and yeah he's kind of like giving hand. everyone like the highest tech possible yeah just because he can he knows it <laughs> um and around this time they have something called the keen act happening he's officially in the crime buster slash watchman 
and they have the Keen Act, and this is where they're like, okay, we don't want any more superheroes, no more vigilantes. No more it's mutants. done. And it's uh, basically, it's against the law, and you'll be, you know, put in jail for it. So Yeah, it becomes an outlaw to be a, a superhero. costume superhero. And I mean, it, it is for real, but, <laughs> but like, it's like even more so in this. And, and obviously Manhattan is exempt from this, not only because of his work with the uh, the United States, but just because he's a god. <laughs> like, what are you also, gonna, like, he's not wearing a mask. That's, that's him. That's him. That's mm-hmm. just him, dog. So the Crime Busters, I want to talk about them for a minute because they were the ones that were after the Minutemen. That was, that was after the original Night Owl, the, the hooded, you know. Original Silk Spectre. The original Silk Spectre. This mm. is the... Crime busters are with the second Silk Spectre, and comedian is probably in both of them. But um, yeah, he was. Yeah, I think he ran with both of them. The second Night Owl, Rorschach, mm-hmm. these characters, um, and uh, they were forced to disband in 1977 because of the Keen Act. Right there, it's against the law. Um, Doctor Manhattan still obviously maintains his power and his influence just because of who he is. But this is where he meets Lori Uspechik. Oh, dude! I had to like, <laughs> like, really go into it and like pronounce her name because I'm like, spechik. how do you fucking say this? Yeah, you Um, the young Silk Spectre who is following in her mother's footsteps. Right? They are immediately attracted to each other, and this is a this is like you know he was pulled apart and disintegrated in 1959, and this is like the 80s, and he has remained the same. He looks no different. He's still an all powerful blue god, yeah. and. There's this cute girl that's wearing lingerie and fighting bad guys and just a badass in general. And then there's Janie Slater, who is growing older by the day, and John can see it, and he's becoming less and less interested in her. And this girl, this young girl that's hot as fuck and is cool as shit, starts looking at him and is flirting with him. And Janie notices this and loses her fucking mind and just leaves. Um, The two crime busters obviously start a relationship, and, you know, this is where we start the Watchmen novel. Mm-hmm. But powers and abilities. I really want to go into this first before we get into the actual like important novels that we should talk about. Um, we, <laughs> we realize now that he can warp the space around him, right? Yeah, to teleport. To teleport. He doesn't teleport, he just makes space move. Move. Like, he doesn't move. He stays, move. everyone else moves. <laughs> Which is one of the coolest superpowers ever. Like, oh, I'm too lazy to fucking move. Like, I'll move everything else. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what year of the multiverse is this shit, dude? Like, you're just going back and forth, back and forth. Like, in the Watchmen comic book, and even and then the movie, obviously, like, you can see that there are times where John is supposed to be, like, at the funeral. Or John is with Lori sexually, but actually he's in eight other different places at once. Yeah, doing work. He's able to do that. And I think that that's sick. <laughs> that's cool. Um, he's a, obviously, he's able to manipulate molecules and make you a puddle. Yeah, he can turn you into literally nothingness or into, like, a huge god monster. Basically, like, he obviously retained the powers of, what, the intrinsic field himself, right? Well, he can control it now. Um, So he can literally disable your atoms to nothing. (laughs) Yeah, doesn't matter how strong you are. Like, Superman's (laughs) fucked. (laughs) Uh, Um... Uh, the ability, the ability to travel through dimensions simultaneously. I did. I kind. I know that's kind of like the warping mm-hmm. reality a little bit, but I wanted to like speak on this because he is now in the B fifty two and uh, DC universe. Right. Because originally he wasn't like that, but because he's just all powerful being, he he can be anyone he wants to. Yeah. He can he can transcend universes, which is crazy. 
it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, he's got some cool electrokinesis going on where he does some cool shit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's clairvoyant. Uh, Dr. Manhattan's watching you masturbate. <laughs> yeah, I had to write that because that's fucking crazy. Like Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> basically you a god. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the important novels that we're going to read, obviously, you always start with the original Watchmen. Don't read before Watchmen before you read Watchmen. It's the one true book of all books. Just because it's called Before Watchmen doesn't mean you read it before Watchmen. <laughs> Watch, read Watchmen first. Very confusing. Yeah, we yeah. know. But... <laughs> Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Alan Moore is brilliant, uh, unbelievable. It's ex- excellent, excellent novel. <laughs> the well. story starts off with Manhattan um, and Laurie, really, working at Rockefeller Military Research Center. Um, actually, with Ozymandias, you know, Bite. Mm-hmm. Um, Ozymandias is the uh, smartest man in, in the, the world. world. Yes. Um, at this point in the book, we know that the comedian, also a caped crusader that's a horrible monster, um, has been murdered. And one of the main storytellers, Rorschach, has come to basically tell Manhattan Lori, like, they're coming for you too, bitch. They're coming yeah. for all of us. Whoever is killing all these heroes... We're coming after They're it. coming for us. Mm-hmm. Um, some stuff happens. Cool shit. Uh, later, Manhattan attends a live interview, which I kind of wanted to skip to this because it's kind of where he kind of loses his shit and has a mental breakdown. Um, in this interview on live TV... They're just interviewing about random ass shit, like, oh, what do you do? Like, what do you do on your days? And then this guy stands up in the audience to ask a question and basically implies that Dr. Manhattan is detrimental to regular human people, right? Like, he's... He stirs shit up. He's... Basically, he's he's trying to get... He's trying to rile up Dr. Manhattan. He's trying to, like, rile up and get him to, like, lose his shit. Mm -hmm. Because everybody thinks he is the reason... That, Jay, that I mean, like, Janie Slater ends up making an, an, um, uh, an appearance, and she's got cancer, and she says that it's because of John. Wally Weaver died in the hospital due to cancer because of his workings with John. Right. Everybody that has come Everyone in contact. Everyone thinks that, like, John is causing cancer yes. in these patients, or friends. And his friends, and yeah. that's why they're all dying. Yeah. And he didn't know about this, like, being the clairvoyant dude that he is. He's still learning all of his, all the things that he can do and can't do. That's the thing about him. He's constantly learning. So he didn't know. constantly getting better. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, I think this is also something to do with, you know, just Bite slash Ozymandias just being the brilliant mastermind that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, obviously, freaks him the fuck out. And he bails and just, just like, leave me alone. And then, like, fucking... It's like, it's like fuck this, I'm going to Mars. <laughs> he goes to Mars. He, he basically moves <laughs> the space around him until he's at Mars. <laughs> until he's at Mars. Yeah. Must be cool to just fucking take a break and just head to Mars. Yeah. Um, later, after this, Manhattan tells Lori that he knows about her and the second night owl because, you know, he's not who he used to be, not who she first met. He's different now. He's not human. He doesn't have human emotions. He's officially just stopped caring and doing anything. Right. Um, this new relationship with the second night owl is Dan Dryberg. And like, so I love Dan. I Mm -hmm. love the night owl. I thought he was so cool. Um... Manhattan knows they've come together and you know because he's not the human that he used to be he's not really upset he's just like yeah no that's cool I got it we're good the storyline is really important because when Manhattan comes back even just to see Lori he takes her to Mars to explain to her why he's not coming back why he's not coming back to save the world 
because everyone thinks they're, they're like on the doomsday clock it's like two minutes until midnight which is when nuclear war happens oh man <laughs> so she's like you gotta save us you gotta save us and he's like nah bro i'm good <laughs> and he just takes her there to explain it to her this this book is fucking brilliant i don't want to ruin it for everybody there's a lot of weird shit that happens at the end but it's so a lot important. of twists a lot of really cool surprises yes crazy surprises <laughs> um a lot of your favorites end tragically and it's it's really important to read this like if, if there's any comic book that i think everybody should fucking read ever mm-hmm. it's one of these it's yeah. it's one of, it's this book um this is one of the most iconic novels i think in the united the, um like since 1929 i think it says it's 1923 on top 100 best novels it's been quoting as most iconic. Well, it didn't it's, come out till the eighties, though. So why do we? Since, but I mean, like in uh, the, yeah. in that since, timeline, oh, I see. like in Top the 100. amount of time, it's, it's hit that that. that uh, it's just brilliant. Yeah. It's beautifully written. It's amazingly executed. It's, it's a great graphic novel. Oh, he's fucking so cool. Alexander is <laughs> awesome. All right, um, Doomsday Clock is the next one that I put on here. Um, it's written by Jeff Johns. Art by Gary Frank and Brad Anderson. Um, this is actually the conclusion of the New 52 and DC Rebirth, which is mm. where Manhattan kind of interferes with uh, DC, right? Um, and all the superheroes on that side. The comparison here that I thought was really cool between Superman, an alien with an attachment to humanity, and Dr. Manhattan, who has removed himself from humanity, is the strong base. Um, at the ending... As the ending had an impact on the entire DC universe, it's imperative to Dr. Manhattan's bio- biography. Um, yep. About seven years after the events of Watchmen, right? Yep. Uh, at the end, we know that Ozymandias' plan for the world is starting to crumble mm-hmm. due to the fact that Rorschach's journal winds up in the hands of a reporter and they print the book and everyone sees... That it was all planned. That it was all planned. Yeah. That... Rorschach was this really fucked up individual. Um, everything is back to nuclear meltdown, right? Like, Russia's like, oh, bitch, we're coming for you. And the United States is like, no. And Ozymandias has to run, and he's a fugitive. And then he finds out that he's dying, right? He has, like, some terminal disease that he's never going to escape from. He's going to die. There is a new Rorschach in this story. It's uh, Reggie Long, um, and he is tasked by Ozymandias to track down the two prisoners. And they are supposed to go and find any trace they can of Dr. Manhattan. And really? yeah, and it's it's nuts. Um they eventually find um they eventually find the coordinates of the molecules that Dr. Manhattan has all over his body are found somewhere in the universe, right? And they are transported to Gotham City. That's awesome. what that's where he was. That's where he was last and that's where his last little molecules were and they're, they're like oh shit like that's where his last whereabouts are um ozymandias quickly learns that earth's political crisis is so like their own right like they're you know everyone is against all of the superheroes they're like what the fuck we don't want superman we don't want batman we don't want none of them and they're also on the verge of nu- nuclear war with russia um in this universe like per- like approximately just as uh, they enter this universe, like um, Ozymandias and Rorschach and them, mm-hmm. Clark Kent has a fucking nightmare about his parents dying in a car crash. And Lois is like freaking out. She's like, you got to wake up. You got to wake up. You're going to freak out and fucking blow the world up because you're <laughs> fucking having a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like crazy how like the parallels are there. Um, 
I don't know a whole lot about DC, so it's difficult for me to try to like make this make sense. Mm-hmm. But this story is, is is long. It's incredibly thought out. It took actually like six months of deliberating between these two masterminds in this comic universe just to merge these storylines together into a point where it makes sense, right? Where like Manhattan can be in the same universe as Superman and Batman and all of them. Um, when What I read is pretty fucking lit. Yeah. They did a really good job. Everything I've read from it, too, is like, yeah. It's awesome. dark as fuck, and it's, like, cool as shit. Like, one of my... Like, actually, one of my friends told me that I should really talk about Watchmen. Like, Brett came up with it, and he was saying that I think you guys should go with Watchmen and Dr. Manhattan, because there's a whole bunch of new DC stuff that's going to be Sweet. really cool. Good job, Brett. <laughs> um, the last book that I want to talk about, um, I kind of feel a little weird, but it is important at this point in time, um, is Before Watchmen, which we talked about just a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. This was published in 2012, right? When the world ends. (laughs) It's obviously the prequel to Watchmen, but don't read it before Watchmen. Yes. This is a collection of comics detailing the important characters of the Watchmen universe, right? Like, it goes into Ozymandias, it goes into Rorschach, it goes into all of the important characters that we love. Um, Alan Moore has stated his feelings on this series as completely fucking shameless. He even refused money saying, what I really want for this to not happen happen (laughs) i don't want any money i just don't want this to happen at all he is very adamant about not uh, not wanting to his hands in any part of this i'm sure dc was like fine we won't Mm -hmm. give you fucking money yeah (laughs) whatever bro we're still doing it they were written by instead it was uh michael straczynski brian azarello darwin cook and len wine and uh drawn by lee barmeo jg jones adam hughes andy kubert joe kubert and amanda connor is a bunch of people, guys, yeah, but they're all important. Mostly just because this book, I, although Adam Alan Moore hated it, is still important to the universe. Okay, Doctor Manhattan series actually starts with his childhood, right, where we learn about his mom. And what is really identifying here is that in the Watchmen series, everyone kind of goes off like Doctor Manhattan is America's superhero, right? Like so, like you kind of think that oh, he's just American guy who just had a tragic accident. No, he was German, <laughs> and yeah. he was, and like they traveled here to escape Nazi-occupied Germany. Um, John was very young when they were escaping, and they, he, they, his parents actually hid him in a box with a bunch of food so that they wouldn't get caught. And when they do get caught, because, of course, every superhero's mother has to die, <laughs> which I've accepted, again, as my fate for my son, <laughs> um, his mother ends up trying to sacrifice herself because the Nazis come upon their caravan, right? Caravan. Caravan. And they're like, hey, show us what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? <laughs> so as they're, <laughs> as they're getting near the box, she books it and takes off. And, they, and like, there's only two of them. So one of them follows her and the, his father overpowers the other Nazi. I don't know how. Maybe he also has some cool fucking powers. I don't know. <laughs> it's a sweet move. <laughs> While his father is like fighting with this Nazi and eventually gets the gun from the Nazi and kills him. His mother is gunned down by the other Nazi, who is, a, who is you know, murdered by John's father. Damn it. Um, it's horrible, and it's sad, and that, but it, you know, it shapes him. Obviously, it's important to him. <laughs> this mm-hmm. series further explains John's obsession with watches, which we didn't really get to talk about in the first beginnings of this podcast when we are talking about it now. It is so important to yeah. who he is as a person. You see throughout every single comic book that Dr. Manhattan is a main character in, just how obsessed he is with the routine, with the workings of clockwork. Um, uh, it's just, it's so cool. <laughs> Watching 
how they can articulate this in the novels is brilliant. One of the best, I think, scenes is when he is um, putting himself back together, right? Yes. In the Watchmen comic. Totally. And you can see all of the clocks working and then being torn apart and then putting back together. And it's really beautiful in the movie the, how they show you this. Um, that That's just cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John would rather sit and take watches apart instead. Like while he was at, when he was in college for, you know, you know, physics and all that, he obviously, you you know, a lot of people there are going and drinking and slumming and doing sex shit. And he was like, no watches. watches so he'd rather though. do that than hang out yeah. and drink. Yeah. yeah, he would rather do that. And, it, and that's, I think that shows a lot about his character too. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was doing my research on this and I was trying to explain how important it is to somebody who has a routine, right? Who has a schedule. Yep. Watches are fixed. They never deviate from their function unless they're broken, which, you know, mm-hmm. but they're like, they're like, it's like a simple cog in a big plan. Like you do this, this moves this, this happens here. And this is why this happens. Since he was young, he has always been the structured individual. And I think that that really speaks volumes about why he is this fucking blue God that we're reading in love. Um, the end of Before Watchmen kind of is is the birth of the re- rebirth story, right? For DC. Right. How after the events of Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan is able to move between time because he has learned that he can do so, right? Like he's causing rifts in reality because he's like learning that he can go back in time. And he, when he goes back in time to when the the tragic accident happens to him, when he's put in, when he's locked in the... Fe- excuse me, in the field, there's like, there becomes like a split in reality where in one reality, he is the same guy. The same thing happens to him and he's still Dr. Manhattan and he's just a blue god. And then in the other reality, he actually just walks out of the fucking field and he's fine and everything's daisies and beautiful clouds. Nice. And it kind of shows you just how different things would be. He ends up growing old with Janie. They... Or these this perfect couple, they do everything together. It's beautiful and rainbows and sunshine. Um, and then in the Doctor Manhattan one, it changes everything. Like everything that we knew is completely different. But there are two ways that it can go from that timeline, right? Like in that universe, and one of the universes in there, uh, the comedian obviously kills JFK, but things are still different, right? Like. Mm-hmm. There's nuclear global war and Manhattan does nothing about it. And then in the other one, Ozymandias kind of takes over and does like a peace talk and everyone's beautiful and amazing and wonderful. And like, you know, world peace. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's a lot of psychology in that, which I think that's, which is the main reason why I wanted to talk about these writers, because it takes a lot of studying and understanding to be able to write about something like war and fucking physics and somebody as eclectic as Dr. Manhattan. Um, there's a lot to do with Schrodinger's cat yeah. and quantum mechanics in this book. And I did not pay attention to that in high school. I was such an asshole when it came to <laughs> psychology. But it does. It, if you read this book, you will understand it. It's hard for me to explain because I didn't pay attention in high school and I just... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, but Schrodinger's cat is like, obviously everybody knows what that is. Yeah. The cat in the box. The box. The is cat, it alive? Is it dead? The cat. Is it? Is the cat really in the box? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, 
the consensus here is that no matter what, the accident was preordained. Like he ends up going back and fixing fixing the timelines, but in doing so, he merges the DC universe with his own. Um, for every possibility that exists, there is an infinite number of possibilities, but he will always be Dr. Manhattan. Yes, he will. Um, and then I would like to talk about we have the movie! To... Yes. So I'll, I'll take over here for this one. Hell yeah, babe. Uh, so there's two things coming out. Well, there was an animated sh- uh, movie version of it where it was one guy just reciting the entire novel. Mm. <laughs> he was doing the voice of every person, even the female ones. It was, it's funny. Like, it was like an audible thing. <laughs> it was, but it was like a, it was like a, a animated comic. It was like every, it was like the comic. That's pretty cool. And it was cool. It was literally like the comic, but like moving. And he did it all. It was great. But there was also the 2009 Watchmen movie came out. And I think I was, saw it like five times in theaters. It was great. Um, the director's cut was my favorite just because it's pr- practically... The same. Yeah, the as same. The, as the comic. Yeah. And people were like upset about it. They go, like, oh, it might not be so much like the comic, but like director's cut. If you're going to watch it, watch the director's cut. I mean, even without, even the director's, even the the regular piece, not not the director's cut. Like, it's believable. I know like mm-hmm. the end isn't what everyone wanted, but like it was believable enough for people who aren't into comic books to be like, whoa, this movie is cool. Yep. And I like the fact that like it's not your typical comic book movie. Yeah. It's, it's very darker, it's dark. Grittier yeah. and that's why I like the boys so much too. It was also yeah. like very dark, which is something else you should also watch. But uh so, Billy Crudup as Doctor Manhattan was was perfect casting. Great casting. Dude. He killed it. He nailed it. Honestly, I didn't even know it was him until after I watched it. I was like, who played him? Who played that? I was like, oh shit, it does look like him now. It's just I've seen him so many different other things. Um Malin Ackerman was uh Silk Spectre Silk Spectre, Spectre two. two. Lori. And uh Matthew Good was Osmandi Osmandius, which was great. Yeah. The young Osmandius. Very believable. Very yeah. um Jackie Earl Grey or Haley was Rorschach. He was awesome. <laughs> Earl Grey, I love you. <laughs> yeah, Earl Grey too. <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was Edward Blake slash the comedian who was fucking so phenomenal. Great. Oh my god! Like Dude. I think this like I know he was in Supernatural and that mm-hmm. was like a big thing for everybody in their entire life. But mm-hmm. this really I think sealed his career. I I I he, this is his defining career thing for me. Like he 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 nailed it. It's like perfect. you hated him so much in that fucking yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Patrick Wilson was Night Owl. Dan Dreyberg. Uh, Carla Gugino. Was Sally, Sally Jupiter, the who original. was the OG Silk Scepter. She's so beautiful. She's fucking gorgeous. Oh she was also in uh, Haunting of Hill House. Too. Really? And she was in... Um, She's been in so many cool shit, dude. Oh, shit. She was in that one movie. Uh, fuck. Uh, Sin City. Oh. Yeah. Really? I don't remember. Yeah, she was... She was. Yeah, she was in Sin City for sure. <laughs> so, The Watchmen coming out this year... Uh, there's not a lot around... Like, they showed a trailer for it, but not a lot of info surrounding it, because they're trying to keep it, like, hush, under hush. wraps. Uh, what we do know is that Alan Moore obviously still did not want it to be Anything, adapted. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's very protective of his <laughs> his, his shit, and uh, he's very pissed off, I guess. But uh, Damone Lind what is it Lindelof? He was a guy who made Lost and Leftovers. He's producing it. He assures him that like this is gonna do it justice. Yeah, it's gonna be like a remix version of it. Have you seen any of those? Because I haven't seen it, either of those. I just saw the shows. trailer, and oh, I thought they were great. It looked interesting. It's definitely different. There's different characters. Uh, it's going to be Remain Faithful. Uh, comedian's still dead, obviously. Dr. Manhattan's still on Mars. <laughs> uh, 
just an army of Rorschachs I saw in the trailer. Yeah, th- which that, I thought that. was really inter- interesting because you know Rorschach's you know gone, but so, but I guess his like spirit still lives on like in like all these other people. But, but they, so I imagine they're probably not doing anything with the comic books like before Watchmen or Doomsday. They're just going from the regular Watchmen comic, like maybe because they're trying to keep something that's Alan Moore's. Because mm-hmm. it would make sense that when they printed his his book. It's the journal that they're be like, oh, like this is the man, like this is the guy that's anonymous. This is the one that is supposed to get rid of all the filth in the city. Exactly. They want to follow something. Also, a really cool thing is that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are composing Whoa! for the show, and they did, you know, the Social Network, which I thought was one of the best soundtracks ever in a movie. So let's talk about the new characters that are going to be shown. Tim Blake Nelson, he was leader in Hulk. He was like that one guy in the Hulk. <laughs> He's going to be playing this guy named Looking Glass. We don't know anything about him so much just yet. Regina King, who's in a bunch of shit. She was Erica Murphy in Leftovers. She was also, I can't remember her name, but she was the wife in um, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Cuba Gooding Jr.'s <laughs> wife. She's like, show me the money. She's playing this character named Angela Abar, who uh, I don't know. <laughs> but she's a, she's a huge role in it, apparently. Don Johnson's going to be in it, too. He's James Crockett in Miami Vice. Whoa. He's a police, police captain. Um... Louis Gossett Jr., who was, like, one of the most defining, like, African-American, like, actors. He won the first uh, Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. He's playing this guy named Old Man. He also voiced the Vortigaunt in Half-Life 2. What? Which I didn't know until I looked it up. I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. Yahya Abdul-Martin II, he he played Black Manta in Aquaman. He's going to be in it. It's Carl Abraham. Who, like I said, these characters, are. we know the names of them, but we don't know how important they are are they have to be in it are any of them like in like the comic universe or are they just brand new people I just... that again i don't know but i do know that jeremy irons is ozymandias like an older version whoa oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, he's fucking brilliant. he was simon gruber and die with a vengeance and alfred in the batfleck movies he's cool and uh him. he's he's apparently gonna be playing a major role because it's ozymandias uh, i wonder if he has to do with um before Watchmen, where he's like, well, not before Watchmen, the the one where Osmandius is like being like hunted or whatever. I wonder if the same storylines so, going on because with that this. Was, that that was cool. Yeah, and we know Doctor Manhattan's still on Mars, but I think like in the trailers they allude to him coming back, so we'll definitely see him in this. Because why wouldn't they? It's fucking Doctor Manhattan. It's, it's, it would be cool if they had you know Billy Crudup do it again. Oh my god, if he came back again, mm. fuck yeah. <laughs> we don't know who's playing him yet, so yeah. or if he's gonna be in it. All right. Um, all right, so I think that that concludes our Dr. Manhattan episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed looking up all this lore. It's so cool. Me He's... too. I I love looking up this stuff. Like, Dr. Manhattan was, like, fun. Really fun. Yeah. Because yeah. he's such a, like, a huge <laughs> character. It's, like, hard. There's so much info on him. It's, like, what, can he, what can't he do? Yeah. What are his limits? What, you know, makes <laughs> him Dr. Manhattan? Um, what, I'm trying to think about what we should do for the next shred, right? I know that there's a couple of new comic book hero movies coming out, right? Yes, I mean, there's always going to be now. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the closest to us right now is is probably going to be Joker. It it drops in October. Joker's a good one, but I feel like a lot of people do that. Yeah, at least we want to wait for them. That's going to be an intense episode, and I I probably want to keep that one more towards... Halloween, because it's creepy as shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's a creeper. Yeah, he's the creepiest creeps. Hmm. All right, well, um, I say we uh, we table it table until it. we realize... What we, um, you know what we should do? 
I feel like you guys should we should put a vote on our Instagram on who we should do, and whoever wins the vote, we'll do the next shred on. Yeah, that's so good. we should follow us on our Instagram, which is the Shredder Podcast, obviously at Instagram, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> we will put it. We'll put a poll on our on our story, and you know whoever gets the most is uh, going to be who we talk about next. That's good. So yeah, follow us on there. If you have any questions or anything, email us at uh, shredderpodcast at gmail.com. Hells yeah. Until then, Bye, I'll guys. see you later. <laughs>